the Action Network podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and this is your NFL Week 1 betting preview where we talk about our favorite totals teasers underdogs and where for the fourth consecutive season we'll build a weekly sunday six-pack of against the spread bets with the help of my co-host my dude the prime minister of degenerate nation stucky stuck glad to have you back man what's going on just excited week one is finally here we have and a really exciting slate i mean even we'll talk survivor later down to the last minute choosing who my survivor team is going to be we have a record 10 home underdogs this week quite a few exciting matchups on sunday and then of course we kick things off with the defending super bowl champs and the super bowl favorites which we'll talk about here in a second for thursday night football sundays are back baby Good job by the schedule makers, I think, as you mentioned. And uh, we'll jump into the Thursday night football preview, then we'll go into the six-pack. Uh, but as a quick reminder, if you want access to the picks, analysis, betting tools, and the ability to track every bet that you make, download the free award-winning Action Network app. I love it. Would still be using it, even if I didn't work here, which is saying a lot. All right, let's jump into Thursday night football. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday Night Football. So we got the Buffalo Bills, who probably should have been in the Super Bowl. Things break a little different. And you got the team who won the Super Bowl, the Rams. So again, props to the schedule makers. They scheduled, uh, you know, maybe could be, would have been Super Bowl uh, right in week one. So at FanDuel, the Bills are two and a half point favorites on the road in L.A. And the total is now down to 51 and a half as we record this. It was at 52 or 52 and a half for much of the weed up to this game. Stuck, what are your initial thoughts on Bills Rams? Yeah, I think the line is it's a pretty good line. I think it's actually a shade. It's, it's gone a little too far in the Bills direction. There's always this market sentiment that let's fade the Super Bowl champ, but that hasn't really worked out in the past. I mean, reigning Super Bowl champs are 10, 5, and 2 against the spread in 17 weekday primetime openers since 2004. They're 14, 7, and 1 against the spread since 2004, just in general in week one after winning the Super Bowl. Like That's excellent. This is only the sixth time we'll have a Super Bowl champ that's a home dog after winning the Super Bowl. The previous five went 4-1 and one straight up and against the spread. So, yeah, I don't I don't get the rush to always fade the Super Bowl. I'm not in a rush to do so. I'm a little worried about the Buffalo secondary here. Uh, you know, Trey White still isn't out, so you're going to have, what, a, a rookie. Um, you're going to hope Dane Jackson can hold his own. I When Cup's in the slot, I, Toronto Johnson's a good slot, but yeah, no one's covering him in the slot. So, yeah, I, you know, I think both offenses will feast. I think that the number is just good. Now, what it does provide us with, and I'm sure you guys and – you and Kerner will have some good props out there on actionnetwork.com, the Action Network app. But with this line moving to two and a half, what I did do is I grabbed the Rams in a teaser. Now, it's a higher total. We'll talk about teasers later. So it isn't the most ideal teaser piece, but you are crossing the three and seven, which is the most important part. And so I teased the Rams with the Vikings when the Vikings were plus one and a half. See if you can still find that out, over seven. Fits the profile of a plus EV teaser, get a little action on Thursday night. I think this is game is basically a uh, coin toss. How about you? Yeah, I have this as a pick and I'm very tempted to play the Rams here because in these type of games, you're, when you're getting, you know, a lot of people are going to look at the number and say, oh, it's two and a half. You know, there's no value because, you know, three is the key number and it's not going to get to three, I don't think. But I, I, I mean, I just have these teams a little bit more evenly than probably the market does. I think this is a really tough matchup for Buffalo, as you said, because without White, you're dealing with Cup, you're dealing, and now you have to deal with Allen Robinson, who, like, you know, really bad season last year, but 
look at his underlying numbers and uh, he actually, you know, in Matt Harmon charted this for reception perception, he was still in the 85th percentile or higher against man and press coverage. So he really just struggled against zone coverage, which is not indicative of a guy who's like falling off or washed. It's just, you know, a, a issue with the quarterbacks and the scheme more than anything. Now you go to one of the best schemes uh, in the league and one of the better quarterbacks in the league as well. Uh, and Matthew Stafford. And I think maybe that's something to do with the line, you know, as high as it is for Buffalo. You know, there was all this talk about Stafford and the elbow, but I, I think this is going to, you know, for a team in Buffalo, as good as it is and as good as it has been, I, I think this is a, a really tough uh, opening game for them. And it might just be another one of these heartbreaking type of games for that fan base, because I mean, this, I mean, it's, this is not easy, you know, go, going to uh, going to the Rams facing Sean McVay with extra time to prepare for opening day. He has never failed to cover the spread uh, in week one. He's 5-0 and against the spread, and the Rams are covering by an average of 12.2 points per game in those five victories. That just kind of speaks to what they can do. So I, I think this is going to be a really tough game for Buffalo, and I, I probably will be uh, on the Rams. Obviously, follow me in the app at Chris Raybon uh, to see if I end up jumping on it. But I, I'm really tempted to take the Rams um, it's straight up, not even just in a teaser piece. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I the Bills – Power rated as the best team in the NFL, but the love, uh, this line I think is too high, like, like we talked about, and the love for the Bills, it seems to be going a little bit too far. So uh, I would certainly lean the Rams' directions. If it gets to three, I'm sure it would get hit right away with Rams' money. But uh, I don't mind the Rams in the teaser, too, if you want to play it that way. And like I said, make sure you check out the Action Network app for props as well. Let's jump into the long awaited, the first of 2022, the Sunday six pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday Six Pack. <laughs> Just for everybody out there that doesn't know how we do this, uh, we each take three picks. Um, we could be on opposite sides of the same pick, but we can't take the same side. Tally it up at the end of the year. By the way, we, we do two points for our first two picks, one point for our third pick, uh, just if anyone's curious. Uh, looks like I'm two and one. I got that one extra win in the Super Bowl uh, and just a crazy uh, Super Bowl. So uh, I'll start us off. And uh seems like, I think it's like we've alternated winning years. So probably your year, but uh, I'm going to give it my best shot here. And I'm going to start off with the first pick of the week one 2022 Sunday six pack. I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings plus one and a half hosting the Green Bay Packers. And I really like Minnesota because first of all, Green Bay without Devontae Adams, there's going to be a massive drop off. And this might sound obvious and it might not sound like a reason to be on Minnesota. But if you just look at what Adams has done specifically against the Vikings, and then take him out of the equation, it's eye-opening. So last year, week 17, 11 for 136 and 1. He gets uh, 47% of Rodgers' passing yards, two of the team's four touchdowns. The, the first game they faced each other where the Vikings actually won that game, Adams went 7 for 115 and 2, uh, and he also scored half of their touchdowns again. The game before that, just seven catches for 53 yards, but three touchdowns. Game before that, 14, 156, and two. Go back to 2020. 13 for 116. Over half of Rodgers' passing yards. The game before that, the first matchup for that year, seven for 106. Again, over half of Rodgers' passing yards. He scored eight of their last 16 total offensive touchdowns in the last four games. He scored uh, 38% of their offensive touchdowns overall in the last three years uh, in these matchups. And he's responsible for 39% of Aaron Rodgers passing yards over the last three years in these matchups. And now you're going from him to, we don't even know if Alan Lazard is fully healthy. He's supposed yeah, to it looks like he might not even play. Yeah. And, and, you know, Christian Watson, the rookie did pre like practice. So, but you might have two rookies and I love me some Romeo Dobbs. We all know, but you might have two rookies out there and Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb. So like two rookies and two dudes who are washed. Uh, and that's your receiving core that you're replacing this dude who literally scored half of your touchdowns responsible for half of your points. And he changes everything for Rodgers too, because we know the, the issue with Rodgers and this offense at this stage is, you know, if they get pressured without blitzing, you know, if a team can kind of rush forward and, and pressure them, 
Devontae Adams really the only outlet. Like, that's the dude who's going to still get open, still beat double coverage, even when the defense knows it's coming. It's just going to be a totally different situation now for the for this offense. And I think that's the great equalizer. You got the Packers going on the road here. Vikings, a very solid team all around. You know, not a ton of weaknesses. I think they'll be able to get decent pressure. Um, you have Daniel Hunter. You have Zadarius Smith. You were number six in pressure rate last year. Uh, I think the you know you have good, good players on every level of the defense. You have the, the good safeties and uh, offense. We know you know that's going to be explosive, and it should be even better now with with uh, Kevin O'Connell. And I even think the defense could be better with the new defensive coordinator uh, Donatel. Eight to ten uh, top ten defenses. So you look at divisional dogs in week one: fifty eight, thirty two, and two against the spread since two thousand and four. That's sixty two percent. If you filter out just since twenty fourteen, so over the last Eight years, 29-9, and nine, 76% against the spread are divisional dogs, covering by an average of six points per game. So you're getting a, essentially a whole extra touchdown in these matchups. And since 2010, uh, week one divisional dogs are 34-31-1, 52% straight up. Uh, so they actually have won more than they lost outright. Uh, and I think the Vikings have a really good shot of winning this game. You know, if it was in Lambeau, I think it would be a lot tougher, but you're talking about Green Bay coming to Minnesota here. No Devontae Adams. Just different kind of offense going against a, a very solid all-around team uh, with the benefit of the unknown with Kevin O'Connell. And, you know, they're going to be able to do some things on offense. I think that, you know, Green Bay hasn't seen these last few years when you know they're coached by Zimmer and they had Kubiak in there. And it was just, uh, I, I think it got a little bit more predictable. So uh, love Minnesota this week, plus one and a half. Yeah, I would agree. And like I said before, I t- actually teased the Vikings with uh, the Rams. I uh, would lean the Vikings here for sure. And uh, I was going to make the same points as you with the unpredictability. Look, this offense has been the same boring, uh, inefficient first down offense under Zimmer for years. And now you can bring, uh, I think, an added element of surprise, especially early on. But I think overall, the early down play calling will be much more efficient. You'll hear a stat this week. Aaron Rodgers owns the division, by the way. And he's 48 and 29 against the spread in the division in his career. That's 58.9%. That's the most profitable quarterback in the NFL over the since 2003. But that's 58.9%. That's his exact against the spread mark overall. He's only yeah. behind Brady in that aspect. That's just what he does. He covers. And by the way, out of 258 quarterbacks, it's Brady and then Rodgers since 2003 against it's the most profitable quarterbacks, but he's only six and eight against the spread at Minnesota. A lot of those games are playing bad bears teams who he just owns and really bad lions teams. Um, so I don't mind it at all. And by the way, I'll get a build on what you were just saying in a second with my first pick and the second overall, the Sunday six pack I'm going with the Houston Texans plus seven and a half against the Indianapolis Colts. Yes. We're going to be ugly. We to, I mean, we're just, it's going to be ugly this entire show and for most of the season. So get used to it, but I'm going with the Texans plus seven and a half against the Colts. Look, we talked about, this is the time to bet division dogs week one, but especially divisional home dogs, divisional home dogs of more than seven, which we have here, 10 and two against the spread 83.3% in week one covering by six points per game. They they've gone seven and five straight up catching over a touchdown and divisional dogs, Divisional home dogs in week one since 2009 are 19-5 and against the spread, 79.2%, covering by just under nine points per game, 15-8-1 straight up. And that applies for the Falcons, Vikings, and Texans this week. And for whatever reason, the Colts have just always started slow under Frank Reich. You know, they'll they'll start 0-2, 0-3 every year. They're also 0-4 in week one under Reich, 0-3-1 against the spread. Look, I'm not going to come out here and tell you that the Texans are world beaters. I just think, you know, if this line was six, probably wouldn't make it. I would play this up to seven and a half minus 120, by the way. FanDuel plus seven and a half minus 114 right now. And it's just such a key number. The Colts are just a little overinflated here. There's value in the number. There's value in the situation. I'll take my home pup catching over a key number of seven here and uh, probably goes down to the wire. <laughs> Like out of all of these dogs, I think this is like this one scares me the most only because I remember being on the uh, Texans last year uh, as a dog against the Patriots. And I think it was 31 nothing that the Texans lost. And so they lost the two games against the Colts last year by a combined 
62 to three. Now, different team, you know, got some different guys on the coaching staff this year, but it, it does scare me a little just because of how bad they played against the Colts last year. But uh, this is this is the time to do it. Like this is we've seen this, like you said, year after year, overestimate the disparity uh, in quality between divisional opponents in week one. Because remember, we have no data. We have no data. So the way you get to a number like eight, nine, 10, 11 for a spread is because you're getting more confidence in your predictions as the, the sample size is growing. So you shouldn't really see, you know, these these bigger lines early in the year. Uh, and you are, and not only is it a big line, but it's a big line with in favor of the team on the road. So uh, I certainly get it. Uh, it. It does scare me a little, but uh, I certainly understand. Uh, the All these should it's scare the right you. Way. If you're not scared betting NFL dogs, <laughs> then this isn't this isn't for you. And, and look, the Texans secondary does scare me in particular. Like their offensive line isn't bad. They have some weapons on the outside. They might be starting two rookies in the secondary. You know, if you're going to pick out all the teams in the NFL, the AFC, like this, you would be okay with facing the Colts in week one with two rookies in your secondary over a lot of other teams because it's not like the depth of their receiving core is tremendous by any stretch. So, yeah, I think the Texans keep this a game and uh, potentially pull off the upset. Where are you going next? For my second pick in the third overall of the week one Sunday six-pack, I am going with the Atlanta Falcons, plus five and a half at home as a divisional underdog against the New Orleans Saints. Let's keep it ugly. I mean, we went Texans-Falcons back-to-back, so it can't get any uglier than that. I think those are pretty much the consensus two worst teams in the National Football League, but we're not betting teams. We're betting numbers, and the number's too high. Like, let's just take everything out of the equation for a second, except we're getting Jameis Winston catching five and a half on the road. Like, that's absurd. Jameis Winston is 8-17-1 in his career as a favorite. Uh, That's a 33% cover rate, failing to cover by just about a field goal per game. And again, you have all the same trends that apply. Uh, I won't repeat them, but uh, let's talk about this matchup. You got New Orleans in its first game without Sean Payton. So we don't know exactly what that quality drop is going to be. Sean Payton uh, was 133-105-3, and 3, 56% against the spread, uh, the third most profitable coach in our Action Labs database. Uh, his teams cover the spread by an average of 1.9 points per game, which is massive over a 200-plus game sample size. Uh, Dennis Allen, 14-21 and 21. Uh, against the spread 40 percent his teams have failed to cover by an average of nearly four points per game so like there could be a drop off here you know we just really don't know but that's the point we're we're trying to bet on the uncertainty when we're taking the dog here yeah there's Uh, a lot more downside risk than like yeah upside potential of allen being way better than Peyton, which is not going to be the case exactly and the timing of this game for both teams, I think, just benefits the falcons you know first of all obviously they're at home but then you're talking about uh, it's Jameis's first game as a starting quarterback with Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry. So, yeah, we like the receivers this year, but he doesn't really have chemistry with them. He was on a team with Thomas, but, uh, that, you know, they, he was not the starter then. And uh, this is really going to be their first true game together. And Thomas not was non-committal. Thomas isn't 100% playing. confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. He was non-committal about playing, which is big, you know, when you kind of talk about why reasons that you would like the saints this year. I think, you know, Thomas coming back healthy is a big part of that. And by the way, you know, as much as we kind of rag on Atlanta and, you know, they obviously the roster is still not where it needs to be, but their boundary cornerbacks should be pretty good. They have AJ Terrell and Casey Hayward and uh, Terrell was second of 116 cornerbacks in PFF grade last year. And Hayward was 12. So you got two top 12 guys out of, uh, you know, in the league in terms of how they played last year. I think, I think, they can play up to that standard uh, this year. It's just, you know, Atlanta, obviously, uh, they're not going to get a ton of pressure. I, they probably should get more than last year, though, because, you know, they got some new guys in there. They got a, a Bickety. They got Carter. So we'll see. But uh, then you look at New Orleans. Okay, so you got the new receivers. You got the new coach. Uh, essentially, Jameis, you know, working with a bunch of new guys, and that includes a left tackle because, you know, Teron Armstead is now in Miami. Then you look at the defense, and you got a whole new back end with, you know, Honey Badger, but in a kind of aging Honey Badger and Marcus May, who and who knows where his head's at. They just traded uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. So you're going from, you know, Marcus Williams, who's one of the best safeties in the league, a little more uncertainty. And these guys just haven't been together. 
and then you look at the matchup. Okay, New Orleans, one of the best run defenses in, in the league year in, year out. But Atlanta's one of those teams that can get running yards uh, unconventionally. You know, they can use guys out of the back, uh, at, at, like at receiver, like Cordero Patterson, uh, and do some misdirection things. They have all these players uh, that are kind of converted from other positions that they're going to get involved, like Felipe Franks, converted quarterback into tight end. You got Avery Williams, converted uh, cornerback slash return man. Now he's going to be in the backfield. Uh, and then, of course, you got Mariota, who can run the ball. So uh, it, it kind of thwarts some of that uh, run defense, which is a big strength of New Orleans. And, uh, you know, to that point, they gave up the third fewest rushing touchdowns to running backs last year, but the second most to quarterbacks. So this is week one. And last year in week one, I was fading the Falcons. You know, I think it was the Eagles they were playing. Uh, they, this offense just didn't have anything going for it. But now you got Arthur Smith has some of the pieces and, and a lot of versatility in terms of the pieces he wants on his offense. So this is the time when I think you're going to see uh, a lot of the kind of unpredictability, kind of similar to what we're talking about with the Vikings, except with Arthur Smith, I think it's going to be even more interesting because like I said, they're just loading up on these versatile guys that can play multiple positions. So, you know, we might see like a Felipe Franks, like reverse touch, like toss pass downfield. We could see Cordell Patterson doing some things. Uh, like, I don't even need, think they need Drake London to play for this offense to be super creative. And at week one is when you, you've shown absolutely nothing. So you got all these things, I think, just situationally kind of working in favor uh, of the Falcons. And you're talking about five and a half points on the road for Jameis Winston uh, with just so much uncertainty. Like, I think the Saints will be a good team eventually, but it's way too many points. And, uh, you know, the trends obviously back that up. Again, 29 and 9 are divisional dogs. And this is why, because people are giving Jameis Winston five and a half points on the road. Yeah, starting to see Saints Super Bowl hype. I agree. The, the value here is with the Falcons. I'll probably join you here. Looks like Drake London is going to play as well and there's some upside potential with the falcons defense which was arguably the worst in the nfl last year but they have good corners which is just a necessity to have any shot at having success in today's nfl but if you look historically at dean pease who runs one of the most unique complex defenses in the league usually has a big year two bump they were clearly confused and just nothing was going right last year we're changing a culture around this day going place Okay, and it's not going to be mediocre. It's not going to be average. It's not going to be in the bottom half of the league. That bullshit's over. So look, his second year there, another off season with some good corners. He's historically in that year too. His roster really starts to pick up what he's trying to do, confusing opposing quarterbacks, which is what you want when you're fading Winston. So uh, I can see two thirty-eight p.m. Eastern. I'm calling uh, the pick six. <laughs> come on red zone Ooh, red, uh, the red zone will pop up and uh falcons are going the other way that just gave me an idea that's that's a contrarian dfs play like nobody's gonna touch the falcons and they'll be like they're one of the cheapest defenses on the slate so james disaster game and it could happen this game by the way you think about saints falcons in your head last couple years ryan julio uh ridley versus like breeze and to shootouts high to highest totals of the week right this is 42 which makes the five and a half even more valuable in what projects to be a lower scoring game. I do want to take a second for a quick announcement to any listeners who use the Action Network app. Thanks to our new partnership with FanDuel starting right now. In week one, we've got a new technology update for all you gamblers out there. It's called Quick Slip, and here's how it works. Let's say you've got a FanDuel account and you're in the Action app looking for the best lines. You can use Quick Slip to go directly to FanDuel with that same pick in a bet slip ready to go. It's a huge time saver for any action app user who bets with FanDuel, so be sure to check it out. All right, for my second pick and the fourth overall of the Week 1 Sunday six-pack, I am keeping it ugly and going with the New York football Giants, plus five and a half at the Tennessee Titans. Uh, look, we're going right from the Texans to the Falcons to the Giants. What did you expect when you came here for week one? Um, but look, the Giants, I'm higher than them on the market. Like Their win total over was one of my favorite overs, and I'm lower than the market on the Titans. One of my favorite win total unders was the Titans. So it's no surprise that I show a lot of value on the Giants in week one. And a great product, we have Action Labs, and on our Action app, we show some of these systems. But this speaks to the kind of overreaction 
perception nature of the NFL road dogs in week one um, that won that were bad last season in a, with a low total, which this game has 62% over the past 30 years, teams that won between zero and six games total of 45 or below just buying low on the perception, which I think this is where this is. I, I am higher from a numbers perspective on the giants, but I'm really low on this Titans team across the board. I think that questions on the offensive line, the wide receiver group is extremely poor. And that's really important here. We mentioned this on uh, one of our preview pods that the giants are going to have a major problem at their second corner spot all year. That's not that big of a concern this week against Tennessee. This is one of the weakest wide receiver rooms in the NFL. So they can, they can get by here. The offensive line, which should be better for the Giants, also gets now, they don't have to deal with Harold Landry, who led the Titans in sacks last year and is now out for the year. The offensive line should be better. Looks like the receivers are going to be relatively healthy. I don't know if what's going to happen three plays into the game, but going <laughs> into this. And I think the offense just in general, which I don't think the market is, is capturing, is going to be much more efficient with Dable at the helm. From, not just from a play calling perspective, from a decision making perspective, there's also the unknown here with Dable. What's he? Some of the nuances and new looks that he's because it's going to look like there's going to be a lot of different RPO type looks and that the Titans are going to have no film on. Um, so I think the Giants can say, "All right, let's we're going to Week Martindale is going to come at Ryan Tannehill, load the box, show a bunch of different looks because he loves to leave his corners on islands." This is the opponent that you're like one of the few opponents that you're like, okay, I can feel comfortable with the Giants doing that here. Let's focus on Henry, bring the blitz on third down. Yeah, I think that this line is two. I have this like three and a half. Yeah, I grabbed the six, so I'll take it a five and a half. I think the Giants are going to have a shot to pull off this outright upset on the road to kick off the year. Do you agree? So I do. And uh, I'll be joining you at some point. Uh, I'm hoping that. Maybe I catch a straight six at some point. I doubt we're going to get there. It's probably going to go the other way. But I promised you at the beginning of the show before we hopped on air that I had a stat for you on, on the Giants and Daniel Jones. <laughs> I have written down here, road Daniel Jones. Yeah, because so, uh, in the past, you bet, you bet Daniel Jones on the road and you don't at home. Yep. So Daniel Jones on the road it has been great. He's uh, 11 and four against the spread, 73%. Uh, like you said, the record at home is pretty much the opposite. But here's the crazy thing. Daniel Jones on the road catching seven and a half or less. So when they're a smaller road favorite by, you know, about a touchdown or less, 9-0 and against the spread has never failed to cover in nine tries. So Wow, uh, that's, a, that's a diamond. That's a yeah, diamond there. That's right. That's right in there. You know, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in midseason form with some of these trends. It's one of the craziest ones I've ever seen. I mean, it's still, you know, it's still a relatively small sample, but you know, a couple of different coaches and schemes. And it's just one of those quarterbacks that he's never gonna like wow you, but he kind of keep you there, at least on the road, they do. So that would have been one of the ones I would have took, actually, if uh if you hadn't. Yeah, and by the way, again, catching five and a half, six totals for around 43 even more valuable it's than if the total was, say, 53 with the Cardinals-Chiefs, which we'll get to later. But where are you going next? I am going for my third pick, the fifth overall of the Week 1 Sunday six-pack with the Patriots of New England plus three and a half at the Miami Dolphins. And again, this is about the number because we're getting the hook here. You look at this Patriots team and – not a lot of positive has come out about the offense uh, in the offseason. We got Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, two of our favorite coaches to bet against, uh, you know, probably coordinating the offense. I don't even know what you want to call it. Directing the offense, helping Bill Belichick with the offense, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, you know, the reports haven't been positive, but I think that's why we're getting this three and a half, because I just can't get to this number. Uh, I make it about two. And that's after giving the Dolphins a bump for home field advantage, because, we know the Patriots, you know, go in the heat, hot weather and they tend to struggle and all that. But I just look at this matchup and yes, the Dolphins got a little better. Yes, the Patriots got a little worse, but I just I can't get to three and a half. Like, I, I just don't know how this number is that high. And I'm looking at the Patriots and I say, OK, maybe the there's a, a little bit of a transitional period with the offense. But you're still talking about a team that should be able to block things up. You know, they still have. Uh, Brown and Win at, at tackle. I think those above average group of tackles. Uh, Andrews and, and Owenu on the interior both graded out in the top five last year. So you got Cole Strange, the rookie, 
Uh, that's the only kind of question mark on the uh, on the line. You got, in my opinion, the better quarterback. Like, yeah, Tua got a, a nice weapon or three, but I still think Mac Jones is the better quarterback. And you also just have the again, like Miami. We saw we saw Tua complete what, was it, a sixty yard pass to to Tyreek Hill, and everyone's like, oh, Miami Tyreek, that's gonna work out. But he underthrew him on that throw. Like we still don't know if Tua is going to be able to utilize these weapons. Uh, there's and Bill Belichick has actually his defenses have been pretty good against Tua. Uh, Tua is just six point one yards per attempt uh, in three games against the Patriots with two touchdowns and two picks. Uh, you know, for everything I'm hearing about the defense, it's actually been better than expected. And uh, that's this is kind of what the Patriots do. And I think everyone's just kind of thinking about the offense and, oh, like Miami upgraded the Patriots are, are struggling with the transition from McDaniels. But the Patriots defense is going to show up. We don't know, have any idea how Tua and these new, uh, you know, new pieces are going to play, new coaching staff. You know, Flores is gone, which was always a, a good edge for Miami uh, against uh, Bill Belichick. And. Uh, it's also week one, so everyone you know talks about you know Patriots struggle going to Miami, but a lot of times that's you know middle of the season. They they kind of it's like a shock to the system. It's they'll go to Miami in like December after they played like eight straight cold weather games, and uh, it's it's a lot harder. But now you talk about early in the year, week one, time to prepare. I just think you can buy low. I like buying the dip on the Patriots here. Uh, you know, with everyone kind of looking at them like, oh my god, this offense is just, it's just done. It's over. They got Patricia and Judge. Uh, you know, Belichick's still 30 and 15, uh, 67% as a dog in his career. So I wouldn't count out the Patriots. And I just think this number uh, is way too big. If you look like how important getting the hook is, uh, I went back and looked at uh, divisional dogs getting three versus getting three and a half. Cause we know divisional games are close. If you get the plus three, you're just break even. Uh, and the average cover margin is 0 0.02. So essentially nothing. Uh, it's everything's even. Once you get to, uh, if you get the three and a half, you win 54% of the time, the average cover margin, just over 0.5, about 0.54. So that's what happens is that that extra point uh, is always going to be massive in this type of, of matchup. So uh, I could see this game being coming down to a field goal either way, but I'm just buying a dip on the Patriots here against this unproven Miami team. This also missing a, you know, Byron Jones went on the, uh, on the injured list. So, uh, like the team long-term in Miami, but week one, uh, I'll, I'll buy the dip on New England. I will save my thoughts for this game because I have a play on the total. So I will move on and give my third pick in the sixth overall, the week one Sunday six-pack. I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers plus six and a half at the Bengals. Yes, I'm betting on Mitch Trubisky, Mitch Bortles mm -hmm. in week one. You've just been bortled. I have the Giants, the Texans, and the Steelers. But of course, I'm betting on the Steelers here because Mike Tomlin is a road dog. And Mike Tomlin as a dog has been almost an auto bet for this podcast for years. You ain't new to this no more now. You know what I mean? It's also a rah-rah spot. We're playing the team that, de that destroyed us, by the way. Beat them 21-10 and 41-10 last year. That went to the Super Bowl last year. We had a disappointing year. We are going on the road. Let's go, troops. This is this is Tomlin territory. The rah-rah spot right here. What? A rah-rah Mike Tomlin spot. We win the game with this crew of bodies right here today. Uh, bring your game today. The Steelers, by the way, are 47-26-3 against the spread as a dog under Tomlin. 64.4%. That's obviously number one out of any coach. Since 2003, Tomlin 19 6 and 2 against the spread as a dog against the AFC North. Do you know what that is? 76%. 76, 19 6 and 2. Guys that played for me, they can tell you one of my sayings, I got a lot of sayings, is don't seek comfort. Appreciating my resume is seeking comfort. And for whatever reason, we talked about the Super Bowl hangover not being a thing for the winner. The Super Bowl losers, 4-18 and 18 against the spread since 2000. Now, I don't put a lot of stock in that because I can't explain why, but just throwing that out there. Now, from a matchup standpoint, I, that's all I need to say right there. Just Tomlin is a dog in a rah-rah spot. That's was good enough for me. It's not like I show a ton of value in this number. Man, we make the simple complex in this business, don't we? Yeah. You have a divisional dog here, not traveling far, catching over six, 
and I'm going to wait out. So six and a half of this contest. I'm going to see if it maybe ticks up. I don't think it will to seven, but I'm holding out to see if I can get a seven, but a total of 44. Um, and I think this will be a lower scoring game. Some things that I will throw out from a matchup perspective that did kind of push me over the edge, although I don't need much to get, be pushed over for a rah-rah Tomlin spot catching six and a half. They, I love what the Bengals did in the offseason. People are writing off the Bengals too quickly with their offensive line. And I think it'll pay dividends as the year goes on. But there's four new starters on the offensive line. So there could be some continuity issues, especially when you're going up against arguably the best defensive line in the entire NFL and just that entire defensive front that is going to get in the backfield against almost anybody. Tough assignment in week one where you don't, you just, there's no real continuity and real live game experience together as a unit yet. So that potentially could be an issue. The, you know, also the Steelers, we talked about this with the Giants. We talked about this with the Falcons, with Mariota. Like now you have a new quarterback in Pittsburgh because the offensive line is a mess. I'm not going to, if we're the Steelers. And I'm, I'm assuming Deontay Johnson is questionable. Um, should throw that out there as well. But Trubisky can use his legs here. And I'm assuming they will have many more new packages, RPO type plays that you couldn't run with Roethlisberger, the statue, last year. Trubisky's legs could be an asset here, but basically this is Tomlin, divisional game, rah-rah spot, week one, on the road. That's all you need to know. Man, an opportunity to get a quality dude at a discount. Like, what are we talking about? It's happening. It feels like we're in week one now. You know, got a Tomlin road dog. You know, that's kind of why I like the Steelers overall this year. He's going to be able to win some games that you don't think he's going to win. Uh, we'll see if it happens this week, if they actually win it. Uh, but, you know, there's nothing to suggest that they can't hang with the uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals here. All right, so that's going to wrap up our week one Sunday six-pack. To recap, Stuck is going with the Texans plus seven and a half, the Giants plus five and a half, and the Steelers plus six and a half. I'm going with the Vikings plus one and a half, the Falcons plus five and a half, and the Patriots plus three and a half. Now it's time for our week one coaches pep talk. Come on, all right, everybody. That's what I'm talking about, guys. We've made a great effort so far. Let's just keep it up. That's right. We can't have anyone freak out out there, okay? We've got to keep our composure. We've got too far. There's too much to lose. We've got to keep our composure. Today's coaches pep talk comes to us from Nicolas Cage in the 1997 film Con Air. And we're dedicating it to, let's go with Carson Wentz here. I, I still don't know if I trust Carson Wentz. The Jaguars are like the most public dog, I, I believe, on the slate. So hilarious. Let's see if let's see if Carson Wentz can actually get it done because this is the same defense that's probably the reason you're on a new team, Carson. Those pep talks for you. Sorry, boss, but there's only two men I trust. One of them's me, the other's not you. All right, now it's time for our favorite total of the week. Yeah, I mentioned this game when you were talking about your play on the Patriots, catching three and a half at Miami. I actually like the over here, over 46. This, uh, 46 or 46 and a half, doesn't matter for this contest, but I always try to get chop around and get the, the best number that you can. I think that both of these offenses are going to be improved there's many reasons to think that in year two mac jones will be better off after what we saw from him last year i am a bit worried about the play calling we'll see what happens there but i tend to think that's a little overblown especially early on in the season it might end up working in their favor for a game or two as well um similarly the dolphins offense i think could be significantly improved as well with the weapons that they added the offensive line improvements to his progress Many reasons to think that the Dolphins' offense will take an enormous step forward. Conversely, I think that both defenses can take are going to take a major step back. And on the Patriots side, it's losing J.C. Jackson, losing some uh, a couple other key pieces in the front seven. There's some questions on that defense. The secondary doesn't scare you as much as it's done in the past, which gives you the ability to do many other things. So, I, I think that the Patriots' defense is going to drop. The offense will get better, and it's the same story with the Dolphins, specifically this early in the year because you're missing Byron Jones. You also lost Trill Williams, who they were hoping that he could contribute this year 
second-year player out of Syracuse, but he's out for the year with an injury. Nick Needham, who you're going to need on the outside, he's dealing with an injury as well. Uh, you're down to your your guy, Igbenogany. Uh, did I say it right? Yeah. Um, you might need him. You might need a, a cross in a rookie. Like it's the secondary is not in great shape here. So um, I think the Patriots could take advantage. And the Dolphins' defense in general, I think, is overvalued. And not only do you lose um, Brian Flores, who I think could be an asset to the Steelers and bring some nuance there, but I just think in general their statistical profile, what people think of the Dolphins' defense, is so inflated by what they did last year against uh, uh, just backup quarterbacks. Ready? Here are their wins last year. They went 9-8. and eight. Ann Book, Mike Glennon, Tyrod Taylor, Joe Flacco, Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson on three day, four days rest on that Thursday night game, Mac Jones in his rookie debut, and then Mac Jones in the last game of the year when the Patriots knew they weren't playing for anything once the Bills were up. That's it. Now, in their eight losses, they gave up an average of 30.75 points per game. All eight teams got to at least 23 points. Five got to at least 30. Of those eight, you had the Falcons and the Jaguars included in that subset. So it's not like they were playing elite quarterbacks for, for all eight of those games. So when they're not playing a third or fourth string quarterback, which they did like four or five times, as you can see, and then, you know, get a, a rookie in his debut. Like there's, they had a, one of the most favorable schedules of quarterbacks you'll ever see if you dig a little deeper. So I think that their numbers just coming into the year and their perception of perception of this Miami defense is way overinflated. So I actually think this game ends up being higher scoring than many think. And uh, I think we get up into the upper twenties here um, in a close game. I'll call let's call it 27, 24 final Miami. Oh, then you'll cover too. You'll cover yeah, three and a half. There we go. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I definitely think that, uh, you know, both of these offenses are kind of getting a little bit underlooked right now. I mean, especially the Patriots, just because like, that's probably where the value is. It's, you know, that's probably keeping the number down. Cause you know, you look at Tyreek Hill, uh, you know, I know they've been having some issues with Gusecki, but you look at Tyreek Hill, you think, okay, people are going to think this team is going to score, uh, but everyone, you know, we keep hearing, Oh, what's going on with the Patriots. You know, they had that bad preseason half. It's like, it's doom and gloom in, in, in New England and everyone's fans are worried. And I think that's kind of what's keeping this number uh, in check. So uh, yeah, don't hate it at all. For my total, I'm going with San Francisco, Chicago under 40 and a half at FanDuel. Obviously, if you can find a uh, 41, that would be ideal. Uh, 41 is a key number, but I think this game is going pretty low. And the reason being is you look at the two quarterbacks, uh, you have Trey Lance on one side making his third start. You have Justin Fields making his first start in this new offense, uh, you know, under the new coaching staff. So uh, you have two quarterbacks that I think you're going to try to protect a little bit, uh, probably a lot of running. And you look at Chicago, one of the worst offensive lines in the league. And then San Francisco's got an all new interior line uh, as well. They got a new uh, two new guards and a new center on on the line for for San Fran and then you look at you know okay what's happened with these quarterbacks in the past uh, Lance is 2 and 0 toward the under fields is 7 and 3 toward the under so combined they are 9 and 3 under and specifically with Trey Lance well I have high hopes for him this year uh you, week 1 you're going on the road you got the new uh interior line three new offensive linemen I, I still think we're going to see a pretty run heavy approach from Kyle Shanahan if you look at Lance's two starts last year San Francisco averaged only 59 plays uh, in those two starts. And their opponents only averaged 61. So it wasn't like their opponents were just dominating ball control. And that's why they had a low number of plays. So combined plays in, in the two games that Lance started averaged only 120. That's about six to seven below uh, the league average. And I think you're going to see a similar story from both of these teams today. I think you're going to see a kind of slower paced, uh, you know, kind of protect the quarterback. Yeah, they'll do some, some creative things and, and roll guys out and take some shots down the field, but uh, San Francisco, I think, can play. They, they can show up defensively. Uh, I like their defense a lot. Jimmy Ward is out, uh, but I still think they have enough on the trenches, uh, like, you know, Warner, obviously, in the middle. And then, you know, Chicago, defensively, yeah, it's, it's not going to be a great defense. But, again, I just think San Francisco, they're not going to push the envelope and, and go, you know, balls to the wall here. 
uh, in a game that they're favored by seven on the road. I think they're just going to continue to play it very run heavy with Trey Lance. All their running backs are actually healthy for once. So they, you know, they could do, you know, Kyle Shanahan could do a little bit more with his running game than he's been able to do, you know, like last year, it was just, okay, we just got to put Debo back there and that's it. Uh, but now, you know, he can get pretty creative. He's got Lance. He's got, he's got a full stable of running backs, still got Debo. So I just think this is one of those games where you could look up uh, and it, it could be like nearing halftime and it could be like six to three, just because uh, I just think both of these teams are going to be run heavy uh, slower paced and just uh, I think this game is is going to have a low amount of plays so going under the 40 and a half and by the way uh, George Kittle might actually not play for San Francisco yeah. which you know that that makes it even a little bit tougher uh, to do things with Lance uh, in both facets of the game you know in the passing game obviously you lose a, a guy over the middle that takes the, some of the pressure off of Samuel and Ayuk on the outside but you also lose one of your best blockers uh, period so uh, just, uh, you know, that could be a tough loss and he's non-committal about playing uh, as well, which, which doesn't sound good, which is why it dropped a half a point to the 40 and a half. But, uh, I, I just think this is going to be one of those games where week one, it's just going to be, uh, you know, not, not much going on there. Kind of the opposite of what happened the last two times these teams met, it was 33, 22. So maybe some people will be hesitant, but, uh, again, that was with Garoppolo with, with Lance. I just think, uh, I, I just think we're going to see a certain, the same type of game plan we've seen, uh, in the past from from shanahan yeah this is my second favorite total it's what i would have went with if i didn't go patriots over the two slow teams with inexperienced quarterbacks you have horrid offensive lines like the 49ers got to figure out their offensive line and it's not in good shape and now you might not have kittle who's arguably your best blocker outside of trent williams and he would be a he would be a nice security blanket here for lance and i i would doubt he will play it's a hamstring right against the bears Mm -hmm. seven point favor why risk it Bears are also dealing with injuries at center and wide receiver. Like it's Mooney and oh God, don't see much of a downfield threat from the Bears offense. And Eberflus, defensive guy, I think he'll come up with a good game plan here uh, in their home opener. So I agree. It's just like 2013 written all over it. So uh, that those are our favorite totals. We got Patriots, Dolphins over 46 and Niners, Bears under 40 and a half. Let's jump into our favorite teasers of the week. Oh, yeah. Six-point teasers. If you don't want me to, don't tease me, don't tease me, try to please me. All right, for anyone who is unfamiliar with teasers, it's when you get uh, a certain number of extra points to your bet when you bet uh, two or more teams. So uh, the standard is usually a six-point teaser, which means if you tease a seven point favorite uh with a six point teaser they become a one point favorite and uh teasing a seven point dog they would become a 13 point dog so uh there can be a lot of ways to do this profitably depending on what key numbers you're, you're going through with the tease uh stuck has great content out on that uh if you check out uh his work on actionnetwork.com and uh let's jump into it who do you like just search stucky teaser you'll see my guide i go all into the math of it as always, if you want to get your best teaser price, some books are starting to dynamically price these, which means based on the numbers that you cross, you might have to pay minus 140, minus 150, then it's not worth it. But if you can get minus 120, minus 130 is about break even if you can cross three and seven. Those are the key numbers in the NFL. Lower scoring games, even more ideal if you can tease through the three and seven because points are more at a premium. So uh, that the first one that it comes up, Browns Panthers. This line has gone to Panthers minus one and a half. I think it's gone too far. Tease the Browns. Tease the Browns over seven. By the way, the Browns haven't won a Week One game since beating Kyle Bowler back in two thousand four. They're oh sixteen and one in Week One. Unbelievable. But you don't need to win here. You just got to stay within seven of in a game with a total that's in the low forties. Look, I think the Browns have a coaching edge here. They also know Baker's tendencies. The Browns' defense will be the best unit on the field in this game. And I think they'll have some success running the ball with a new-look offense. They're going to have some new wrinkles here that were supposed to be for Watson that Carolina might not be ready for. So I think that there's some advantages here for Cleveland as well. So really like the Browns' teaser piece, getting them over seven. I'm going to pair them with the Cowboys, plus eight and a half. This line has gone up to two and a half. Look, don't love the Cowboys this year, but I think that this is a good spot. The total's a little higher. It's 50, but I actually lean under here, which makes it a little yeah. more appealing. Look, Brady ripped apart Dallas last year, and Dak did the same, 
in a game thick game to finish like 31 28 but if you look at everyone who did the damage in that game they're all they're all not playing in this game or presumably godwin might play but i doubt it. he'd be limited if he is but he did practice today but gronk antonio brown went bananas uh, amari cooper went bonkers gallup had a huge game they're all gone like the box score is hilarious they, if godwin doesn't play like no one who had a good everyone who had a good game is not playing but i loved how the cowboys attacked the bucks they did not try to run the ball, which you can't do against Todd Bowles' defense. I think they only ran it 18 times, and I think Dak threw it 58, if my memory serves me correctly. So the Cowboys understood how to attack this Todd Bowles' defense, which gives me confidence that they'll do the same this year. You know, Brady could struggle early in the season. He, he missed some time. That interior offensive line is going to take some time. Um, you know, you can – use Michael Parsons and company in some exotic ways to kind of get pressure up the middle on Brady. So there could be some disruptions on this offense. And look, like I said, the Godwin is injured. Maybe he'll play on a limited basis. There's no Gronk. There's no Antonio Brown, a lot of new pieces, especially on the offensive line. Um, so the it comes down to can Dak make enough plays with his now, you know, healthy legs and a much younger receiver group where it's like CD lamb. And then it's like, you need Tolbert to really step up and then, you know, some other talented pieces, but a lot more uncertainty than last year with this position since Gallup remains out. Uh, but it's, so I don't know. I, I'm not confident enough to bet them plus two and a half, but I will happily tease this to plus eight and a half and the Browns to stay within seven for my two team six point teaser. Uh, for my teaser, I am going with the Baltimore Ravens, teasing them down from seven and a half to one and a half against the Jets. And then the Niners from six and a half to a half uh, against the Bears. Uh, Ravens is pretty simple. It's, you know, Lamar Jackson and, and you know, this team going against Joe Flacco. I, I do think the Jets will be a little bit better. That's why I wouldn't, I wouldn't weigh the seven and a half on the road. But we see the Ravens tend to take care of business in week one. It didn't happen last year, but overall Harbaugh is 10 and four against the spread in week one. Uh, I think the Raven. I don't know if the Ravens will be able to. It, it might look sloppy, you know, because a lot of guys missed the preseason. You know, you're, you're, all these offensive pieces really haven't kind of gelled together. You have, you know, Bateman, and uh, he's your new one, and you have Prochet who missed some time, and you stand. Well, we don't know what's going on, with Stanley, and uh, so there's a, just a he's in practice this week. I think Stanley's going to be okay. good to go. Dob Dobbins is not. The running game got some new backs. So I think it could be a little sloppy with Baltimore. I wouldn't lay the points, especially on the road. Uh, but at the same time, this Jets, this Jets offense, I still think, you know, it's going to take some time. And now you have Joe Flacco in there. The defense should be a little bit better, I think. But overall, I think this is another team that's going to take a little bit of time. So I still feel good about the Ravens winning. I'd much rather tease them down than, than weigh the, uh, the points. And then the Niners, they obviously have their own concerns, which is why we're on the under. Uh, in this game, but I still think uh, overall, you know, they have enough just talent to uh, handle the Bears. Again, it might be ugly, so you know maybe they don't cover the seven even. Maybe it's more like a field goal or a four or something like that. But uh, you know, when you just look at the two rosters, uh, the Niners have some some upper tier talent uh, on defense, and same thing on offense. Uh, whereas the Bears just really kind of are lacking in that regard. So like both of these teams to win, uh, but maybe a little bit uglier than people think. So uh, Baltimore minus one and a half, Niners minus a half. It's Baltimore, gentlemen. The gods will not save you. Yeah, don't hate it. Ravens 32 and 12 straight up, including 27, 15 and two against the spread with at least 10 days of prep under Harbaugh. That includes week one. And uh, you mentioned Harbaugh 10 and four against the spread in season openers. That makes him the most profitable of 127 coaches in our Action Labs database since 2000. Three, you know, just a Flacco revenge game, but the Ravens defense is now healthy. <laughs> Looks like Marcus yes. Peters is going to be a go. I think the line's about right. So I, I don't mind a teaser piece. I probably have, might have him in the money line parlay or a teaser like you did. Curious to see what new looks Greg Roman has on offense. But the Jets, is the Jets defense ready for Lamar's speed, which is a concern? Like they're probably trying to get Flacco as many reps as possible with the ones and go against their defense. Like, you're going from facing Joe Flacco to Lamar Jackson, a little bit of a shock uh, right off the bat in week one. Ravens historically have taken care of business in these games. So, and yeah, I think the the bears are just, that roster is just void of talent. So 
Like it. All right. So that's going to do it for our teasers. Again, Stuck has uh, Cleveland plus seven and a half, Dallas plus eight and a half. And I have Baltimore minus one and a half, 49ers minus a half point. Let us now jump in to our money line underdog parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the money line parlay. All right, so this is the segment of the pod where we each choose a money line underdog. Uh, you guys can obviously just bet them individually, uh, but for the purposes of the show, we like to parlay them and uh, see what happens. So, where are you going, Stuck? You know where I'm going. I'm going the G men. I look, I'm higher on the Giants than the market, lower than the Titans, and low total game here increases the variance. And I don't think the Titans can take advantage of some of the areas that I'm most concerned about with the Giants, the loss of Harold Landry, the loss of A.J. Brown, weakens this pass rush, weakens this wide receiver core. Those are the two areas that I'm worried about with the Giants, the offensive line and their second corner spot. Road Daniel Jones, baby. Give me the G-men outright. Big, big improvement you'll see on the sidelines this year. I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and uh, they're plus 120. And you know what I like to do? I like to make Carson Wentz prove himself. And – he, he hasn't been able to do it time and time again uh, in, in key spots. And one of them, as many remember, was against the same Jags D. Now, uh, obviously, it's a, it's a new look team, new look, you know, coordinators and all that. So it's not really the same matchup. But uh, the Jaguars are going to still come out with confidence, believe me. And when you combine all the things that the Jaguars have working in their favor, you know, the obviously getting away from Urban Meyer to a competent Coaching staff in Doug Peterson, uh, who's won a Super Bowl, second year leap for Lawrence, just anyway. I think they added, you know, some decent pieces on all. I mean, they obviously overspent just in general in free agency, but you still added talent to the roster. That's all we care about uh, for a bet like this. You know, you got, uh, you know, Christian Kirk at wide receiver, you got uh, Walker on, on defense and Lloyd, and, uh, you know, you got ETN coming back off the injury. You have uh, Sheriff on the offensive line. So, you know, there's enough of a talent infusion here where I don't think the disparity between uh, these two teams is, is is as great as people think, you know, uh, even going on the road. Because, you know, Washington, one of the smallest, most negligible non-LA home field advantages uh, in the National Football League. So... Uh, you know, I'm not really, oh my God, the Jaguars are going on the road. This is going to be a tough game. Like, no, the Jaguars, like they could, they could certainly win this game. And I think with the number down to two and a half, uh, you might as well just take the money line here. You know, it's, if it was, if it gets back to three, then I don't hate taking the spread, but, uh, it may not. And, uh, cause again, the Jags, everyone seems to be on the Jags, but I think there's actually good reason for it. Uh, I think they have a, a good shot at, at winning this one. I still don't trust that Washington defense. I don't know. Jack Del Rio just hasn't been able to maximize that talent. Obviously, Tra- uh, Chase Young isn't going to be uh, on the field and you know still have issues at cornerback outside of uh, Fuller. So, you know, at linebacker as well. Running back you plan to use between the tackles is unfortunately going to be out. So you're going back to... You know, Gibson, a guy who he didn't want to overwork. And, and you have first game with a new quarterback. So uh, this is no sure bet, you know, for Washington here. And uh, I, I make this line even smaller, but uh, because I can't get the three, I love them uh, as a money line dog. Yeah, I would have bet the Jags at four and this came down. Unfortunately, Mark got ahead of me. So, yeah, the Jags should be improved from a coaching perspective, too, uh, with their staff overall, both at the head coaching and coordinator levels. So I don't hate it. All right, uh, plus 198 for the Giants, plus 120 for the Jags. Uh, that would pay out five and a half X. So $100 would get you 655. All right, let's jump into best of the rest, which are the games that we didn't break down in any other segment. We'll run through these quickly. You have the Eagles at the Lions. The line is three and a half in favor of Philly on the road. The total is 48 and a half. Two, two preseason darlings facing off here. Yep. Hype bowl, uh, nothing here. Line's probably about right. And these are two teams that I might have wanted to fade early on because of all the – like, I like what the Eagles did, and I like what – like Dan Campbell, like some of the things the Lions are doing. But they were getting so much love. Like, everyone's Super Bowl pick is now the Eagles, and 
uh, hard knocks. Everyone loves the Lions now. They, I think they have the most tickets to go to the playoffs, and the Eagles have the most tickets to win the Super Bowl, but they're playing each other. I am concerned a bit about the Lions secondary yes. here, yes, uh, which should be a major issue, and uh, we'll learn a lot about Hurts because he should be able to exploit this Detroit secondary. And then I'm also worried about the Detroit offensive line here because that should be one of their strengths. Vitae is out. They're starting guard. He was just put on IR. Cable still hasn't named the starter. He's talking about because the backup Kramer, the kid out of Purdue, wasn't at practice. I don't. He might be hurt too. So they've been talking about potentially moving Sewell to guard or this or Ragnow to guard. And now all of a sudden, the week before the game against a, a good defensive front, you're you're moving all of these offensive line pieces, and that's supposed to be the strength of your team. So I'm a bit worried about the offensive line as well. So yeah, this is just the hype ball between two teams that are hyped all season. They have to be playing each other in week one. Eagles went, I believe, into Detroit last year and won 44 to six. I think it'll be a lot more competitive than that. I might look to bet this game live pass pregame. Yep. I, I like what the what the Lions offensive prospects are looking like, but with the with the O-line issues, as you mentioned, uh suddenly it doesn't look as as tempting, especially with you know as much improvement as Philly made on defense, but uh still not weighing, you know, three and a half, four. Uh, on the road with this Philly team uh, this early in the year. Uh, let's go to Vegas at the Chargers. Chargers by three and a half. The uh, the total is 52 and a half. And this Vegas team is another one that kind of fits those divisional dog trends. Now you got JC Jackson out. Uh, everyone loves the Chargers. I love the Chargers. I think they're much improved, but uh, it's. It, I think this game could be another one of those just, you know, week one, a little bit closer than than people think. Maybe I'll bet the Chargers live. This game might be back and forth. But what are the two the, the two what were the three strengths of the Raiders team, would you say? Arguably Devontae Adams, Max Crosby coming off the edge, Darren Waller, right? Those three guys are up there. Chargers struggle to cover tight ends. JC Jackson is out, who would who would shadow Devontae Adams if he was playing. And your right tackle, I'm glad that they were gonna go Pipkins, but the, your right tackle is gonna get Max Crosby. In 2020 and 20 who says 2020 in 2020 uh early in the year pipkins got abused abused by crosby they made crosby and farrell look like hall of famers in that game it was i forget who tebby. um yeah it was tebby and pipkins got abused and they lost that game crosby didn't play in the other game he was hurt later on in the year but he abused pipkins that whole game so from a matchup perspective i'm worried but you would have jackson for adams it's good your right tackle, at least you have a good, you know, your left side is better now, so you can give help. But that could be a major issue, and Waller could have a big game here. So, yeah, I would like three. This is the revenge bowl, by the way, um, for what happened last year when they both could have made the playoffs, but the Raiders ended up winning. So I'm sure that's on the mind of the Chargers, but the Raiders is a division game for the Raiders. Like, are they not going to be just as motivated? So, um, yeah, if I could get, like, a flat three or below, I would look at the Chargers. Again, not much home field here. But as of right now, I'll probably look live and uh, it's a pass for now. Yeah, I'd probably be the other way. Like I'm I'm already kind of leaning Raiders and uh, I might have I might end up jumping in. Obviously, follow me in the app. But just another one of these games where, you know, maybe if it was in a different time. But week one, I just think I, I thought this spread should have been right around three. Um, so uh, it seems a little inflated to me, especially with Jackson out. Uh, speaking of inflated lines, we got Kansas City going to Arizona. Uh, the line is up to six at some books at FanDuel. It's five and a half. The total is 53 and a half. Uh, we know Andy Reid is good in week one. He's six and three against the spread. JJ Watt, questionable now. And obviously the Cardinals will be without Hopkins. So uh, a lot of sharp action seems to have come in on KC. Uh, what do you think about this one? I'm pissed. I, I, had, I had Kansas City minus three lined up to bet. Mainly it was, I think the Chiefs are eight and one. In the opener with Andy Reid, big coaching mismatch here in the opener. Andy Reid versus Cliff Kingsbury. I had it all fired up, and I was just waiting. I was like, let me see if this – wonder if the Cardinals will take it. And then the Chiefs just got hammered. I missed the number. The Arizona injuries are bad. I mean, you have Golden is also questionable. Watt is questionable, which means your defensive front could be – this could be your starting defensive front. Gardick, Allen, Lawrence, Dogby, Kennard. Like, yeah, that's bad against Mahomes. You're also Hamilton, their second corner. He won the job over Marco Wilson in camp. He's out due to a cooking accident. They got they they're, they're relying on Raiders cast off Trayvon Mullen, who's been awful. Or like a Jets cast off or like a rookie. Like the, the secondary is in bad shape, especially when you consider the front seven. 
is missing some key players. That's not great when you're going against Mahomes. And the Chiefs are mainly healthy across the board. I think Reed said today everybody practiced. Also, Hudson, their starting center, is questionable. He might not play. Zach Ertz, he practiced that. I assume he'll play, but he's questionable. Cardinals are just beat up across the board. Big coaching mismatch here. I think the Chiefs get it done. And that's a segue into, I think the line's about right now. You can use them in a money, money line parlay piece or as a survivor pick, which I'm doing. Let's jump into uh, our final segment, which is our survivor pick of the week. The Survivor Pool Pick of the Week. Hardest Survivor Week 1 of it. Can never remember. I've been going through iterations upon iterations. This is for my main one, my favorite one. I have a rule of thumb that I do not take road divisional favorites in Week Mm 1. Right or wrong, that's just my rule of thumb. We talked about this, basically it was the theme of the podcast. So I'm not, I wrote off the Colts right away, and I wrote off the Saints right away. You know, then you start going down and you say, okay, maybe the 49ers, but I, I have some spots. I want to use them later in the year. It's also like low scoring game, high variance on the road, young quarterback, Kittle injury, offensive line problems, like a couple fumbles bears win higher variance. Again, the total, I like the under, right? I like the under 41. It's a couple plays here that can swing it. The Ravens were very close for me. Mm. But I can they're they have a last place schedule. I can use them later in the year. The Chiefs were my next team up when I was going down the list of who I'm confident, really confident this week. I mean, like who else? Go, go down the list. Like some people are gonna like the Titans, which normally would be my pick most years, but I'm I well, I I'm down on the Titans and high on the Giants. And I think the Giants have to try to win this game. And everything else is around a pick, except the Chiefs now, this Arizona injury situation. The Chiefs do have some really easy games, like three or four easy games. Like the, they play like the Seahawks, the Jack. Like they have some easy games later in the air. But I have teams. For example, I'm going to use the Giants one week when the Chiefs have a really easy game. When the Giants host the Texans, that's probably when I'll bow out of Survivor. When the Giants, when home Daniel Jones loses that game. <laughs> but I was able to be okay with using the Chiefs now when I looked at their easy games and mapped out who I'm going to use when. Because other than that, the Chiefs have. Overall, to me, for my numbers, they have the hardest schedule in the NFL. I mean, look at the division and conference they play in. Yeah, I'm going. I'm rolling with the Chiefs in Week One. It's scary, but so is every single option on the board. Yeah, I, I thought about the Chiefs too, actually, but I'm I am going to go with the Ravens just because uh, I just think the Cardinals are a better team, and these lines aren't even that far apart. They're both both teams are on the road, and the Ravens are about like a half. I mean, a point point and a half more uh, at this point. So. Uh, I'll, I'll go with the Ravens here. Although I do agree the Ravens have some spots later in the year. They play the Falcons, I believe it is, at some point down the stretch. Yep. But uh, you got to make it there. So I feel the best about Baltimore uh, winning this game. All right. That is going to wrap it up for the week one Action Network podcast. As a reminder, you can find all of the picks uh, on the app at Sunday Six Pack. Be sure to check out our NFL Best Bets episode Uh, all season long right here on the Action Network uh, podcast channel on Friday mornings. And uh, on Monday mornings, we'll have the NFL recap uh, and Monday Night Football preview episodes. And of course, Stuck and I will be doing this every Thursday, all season long, hopefully making you some shmoney. So until next time, let's get this shmoney. Peace out. Let go. Let go.